said, well, I have a stock tip for you. So what's that? He said, there's a company called Apple. I said, I never heard of it before. He said, you will, trust me. Put all your money into it. You won't regret what I'm saying. And I go back and I tell Wallace about this. And Mike says to me, um, you're going to buy the stock. I said, are you crazy? Why would I take a stock tip from a guy who can't decide what flavor ice cream? <laughs> this is Celebrity Salute from the National Defense. I'm your host, Randy Miller. It's our honor to bring you weekly celebrity guests that shine a spotlight on less than 1% of the population that protect us and the people who support them each week on Celebrity Salute. For nearly 25 years, Ira Rosen has produced some of the most memorable, important, and groundbreaking stories for 60 Minutes. One of the most decorated producers in TV news history, and the behind-the-scenes stories are fantastic. It's all in his new memoir, Ticking Clock. We are so happy to have Ira Rosen right here on Celebrity Salute. I have not been this excited about a book coming out in a long time, but uh, his new memoir, Ticking Clock is coming out, and uh, Ira joins us here in the National Defense. How are you, Ira? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Man, what what a career, uh, what what a job, 24 Emmy Awards, and the things that you have, have seen and witnessed <laughs> over your years. And you, first of all, you got started in as a producer at 26 years old, and my question is, at 26 this kid is telling Mike Wallace what to do. How did that work out? So when I, when I got hired, um, you know, he, um, he, he hired me, he hired me because I could play tennis and, uh, <laughs> he figured he get six months of tennis out of me before firing me. And unfortunately <laughs> I was able to sort of stick around and, you know, people think producing, Oh, it's, you know, people show up on time and, and, uh, you know, they're in a good mood and they're full of wit and energy uh, and the correspondent is a joy to work with. That rarely happens. What usually happens is <laughs> the correspondent walks into a room angry that they actually have to work that day. The person you're interviewing brings his lawyer who's interrupting constantly and the cameraman who's filming it kind of ignores the fact that the guy is wandering in and out of the frame. So as producer, what you the trick of producing is to fix a story that's going bad. And one of the first stories that I did while I was still on probation with Mike was a story about school violence in Los Angeles. And uh, we found some victims who were victims of school violence. And the first interview we did was with was didn't go very well. And Mike, we're driving down I five in L.A. And Mike is ripping my briefcase apart and throwing papers at me. And as I'm driving the car and. And, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of this day alive. And I said, no, the next interview is going to be great. And the next interview was with a girl who got stabbed in school. And Mike kept, and her mother was sitting next to her during the interview, a 16-year-old kid. And he, Mike kept trying to lift the girl's shirt to see where the stab wound was. And every time he did that, the mother would slap his hand. <laughs> and so I, gra- I don't smoke, but I grabbed a cigarette from one of the cameramen. I go outside fi- trying to figure out, you know, maybe I should just stay in L.A. that day and try to find a new job. And so a bunch of kids had gathered to sort of see what was going on. And I said, played a hunch. And I said, hey, how many people here got stabbed in school? Three hands raised. He said, hey, how many people did the stabbing? One hand raised. I said, okay, great. So then I went and uh, gathered the group. Mike Wallace comes out of the interview looking for me. And he looked like he wanted to fire me right then and there. And I said, listen, Mike, why don't you interview these kids? Ask them who did the stabbing. Uh, Ask them who got stabbed in school, who did the stabbing, and follow your instincts. And sure enough, he does the interview. He hears about what happened to the kids who, who were stabbed in school. And then he turns to the kid who did the stabbing 
and he said, uh, you put a knife in a, somebody's belly, you twisted it around. How old are you? 16. 16 years old. You're nothing but a punk. And uh, it was classic Mike. Wow. Yeah. And we get back in the car and we drive up, you know, we were staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel at the time. We were sort of in the, in the lower reaches of L.A., and he, he, a couple minutes go by, and he turns to me and he said, you know, you saved your ass tonight. I said, I know. <laughs> and that was our entire conversation. Wow. I survived my first test of producing. So, you know, producing is really, you know, making these stories work when they have, when they're going down the tubes. Um, and that really is the art form. Yeah, we're talking to Ira Rosen here on the National Defense, the new book, Ticking Clock, Behind the Scenes at 60 Minutes. And Ira, I've worked for a, a, a local television CBS affiliate, and I know what a lot of people may not know about a television producer is that uh, you hold a ton of strength. I mean, you know, especially on, on a local level like that, but the producer decides what gets on the news, Right. That's exactly right. And what you try to do is um, you, you, a producer's role, this is one of the reasons I wanted to sort of write this book, because all the books that have come out have been by correspondents. You know, Dan Rather wrote a book, Mike right. Wallace wrote, a, I think, two, two biographies. And, and, and I wanted to tell the story from actually the producer. The producer is the person who finds the story, puts it together, writes the questions, edits the piece. Um, and, and deals with lawyers and the wiring of a story. And, um, you know, it, he's the forgotten man. I think it was only when the movie uh, came out 20 years ago, The Insider, that people really got a chance to see what a producer does. But they're, they're in many ways the forgotten person in, uh, in the business. Yeah, it's an amazing job and, and, you know, front row to all of these different stories. Let's talk about a, a couple of these re- uh, revelations that you have in the book. Uh, tell me about Marlon Brando's amazing stock tip. So, so I had gotten, I had just finished, completed a story on Joe Bonanno, the head of organized crime in uh, the Bonanno crime family. And I want to use a little bit of the Godfather. And, um, you know, out of the blue, Brando calls me to ask how I wanted to use it, whether, whether Bonanno's okay with it. And anyway, we began a whole, whole dialogue and conversation that lasted for months. And uh, he'd call me up and, and uh, you know, start reading me from uh, William Soroyan. Uh, or I would call him up and wish him happy birthday. We were both born on the same day and say, what is it with birthdays? You know, animals don't celebrate birthdays. Trees don't celebrate birthdays. Anyway, we finally got to meet in person uh, in, in Los Angeles. And Mike Wallace was with me. And he's driving down Mulholland Drive, and he's running every single red light. And I said, Marlon, you're going to get us killed. What are you doing? And he said, you're a man. Don't let a machine tell you what to do. Be a man. And it's like, oh, my God. So we finally get to the restaurant, and we're having a conversation. And Brand, and Mike says uh, to him, how did you get so fat? Because Marlon was pretty hefty at the time. And uh, he said, well, I go to Baskin and Robbins, and I order every, you know, I can't decide what to order, so I order every flavor they have, and I bring it home, and I end up eating it all. And at which point Mike says, you know, Marlon, I'm 66 years old. I don't need to show America what an a-hole you are. Let's just be friends. And and I'm, like, angry about, you know, Mike saying that. (laughs) Right, right. So Brando and I didn't have much, after, after that, we didn't have much contact, but we had one final conversation, and he says to me, uh, you play the stock market. And I said, I don't have much money. I have a little bit in the market. But yeah, so what, what about it? He said, well, I have a stock tip for you. So what's that? 
He said, there's a company called Apple. I said, I never heard of it before. He said, you will, trust me. Put all your money into it. You won't regret what I'm saying. And I go back and I tell Wallace about this. And Mike says to me, uh, you're going to buy the stock. I said, are you crazy? Why would I take a stock tip from a guy who can't decide what flavor ice cream? <laughs> ah, wow. Did Mike Wallace buy some apple? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Neither one of us. You know, the... It's like saying to you to buy a company called, you know, X, Y, or Z or right. whatever company right. you're, you're mentioning. It's it's like you know, you, you, at that point in our in in our lives, it wasn't part of the nomenclature. We're talking to Ira Rosen here on the National Defense, the new book uh, "Ticking Clock: Behind the Scenes, at Sixty Minutes." This had to be fun for you to write and look back and and, and realize what kind of a, a, an incredible career you've had. Yeah, and and you know. Jacques Cousteau, the oceanographer, said, and I had this quote above uh, my desk, which is, uh, if, you've, if you've lived an interesting and wonderful life, why keep it to yourself? And, and I kind of felt that way, that I, this is a book I wanted to share with my friends, uh, with my family, with people I've mentored in the business over the years. Uh, in some ways, it may scare some people from going into the business. In other ways, it may inspire people to go into the business. Sure. I think both are okay. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, um, it's in a kind of a, it's a, it's a story that I felt was, um, if I didn't write it, all these stories would be lost. Um, you know, the planet would certainly move okay and, you know, <laughs> the earth would survive. But it was, it was a story, it was something that I felt uh, would both entertain, enlighten, illuminate, um, and, and also find interesting. So our, our audience is uh, composed mainly of active duty military veterans and their families. I, I'm sure over the course of your oh, years. Oh, that's great! Thank, thank you all for your, thank you all for your service. My God, yeah, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I was, I'm just going to say, you know, I'm sure you've covered many of these uh, kinds of stories. Is there a, a, a particular or specific salute you'd like to make to a veteran right now that you've worked with, or uh, or a group of veterans? Oh, my God. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I got to Primetime Live, the very, uh, I think it was the second hidden camera story we did was we went undercover at VA hospitals. Uh, at, um, and because, you know, a lot of these veterans, after, after their great service to the country, end up, uh, you know, being neglected in these VA hospitals. Right. And what we did was we went inside and we showed the treatment uh, inside. It was specifically the Cleveland VA. And we, we showed how they were being treated inside. And after we did the story, there were huge reforms made. Uh, the, and the people we focused on, needless to say, were neglected. And we stayed on that story quite a bit. And so, absolutely, you know, I, I find that to, I, that, I do stories that get me pissed off. Yeah, um, right. And that's the story that really got me pissed off. Well, Ira, listen, I can't thank you for the work that you've done over the years at uh, 60 Minutes. I can't wait for this book to come out. Uh, Great success with the book, and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. You've been listening to Celebrity Salute. Celebrity Salute is produced by Brainstorm Media and distributed by Revolver Studios with host Randy Miller and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us online at thenationaldefense.com.